the Minipod with your host, Drew Minnick. Welcome to episode four of the Minipod with Drew Minnick. And I'm here with uh, a friend, one of my uh, best friend's brother, actually, uh, Dominic Miranda. How you doing today, Dom? Drew, it's an honor. <laughs> it's just, it's a complete privilege. Uh, I'm glad our people worked out the deal. Uh, me to get, too, me to too. get to get me on here, um, took took big bucks to get me here. I have a lot of things going on, as you might imagine. Uh, yes, of person of my high profile, uh, getting on. But it's a pleasure to be here, and excited to uh, be on one of the few episodes, one of the beginning episodes of this mini pod that I've heard so much about. It's it's great to be here. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> let's uh, let's get into your bona fides, right? Um, so you graduated from DePaul. Um, former podcaster yourself, uh, maybe pick, maybe might pick it up again um, in this climate that we're in. And uh, you work in Terre Haute as a reporter um, for Channel 10. What's the, the station called? Like the WTHI yeah. News 10. It's a Fox and CBS affiliate. Um, I think we got uh, one, two, three, three or four, five shows on CBS. We only have one show on Fox during the day and night. Um, but yeah, I graduated from DePauw in Greencastle. With a, that's a W, not an L in Chicago. <laughs> DePauw, Tigers, go Tigers. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell of an institution. Um, it's uh, arguably the best in Indiana, no question. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to go into sports. Uh, like Drew said, I hosted my own podcast in, I want to say, summer of 2016, going into 17, if that might sound right. Um, but yeah, love, love what you're doing here. Um, I also want to go into sports. Uh, right now, it's more news, just with the coronavirus. There's no sports yeah. going on, um, but definitely enjoying it. And Terre Haute, uh, go Sycamores, Larry, Larry Bird country down there. Um, very interesting city, but it's a good starting point. You know, yeah. it's good to be home though. I've gotten to come home a lot more with everything yeah. going on. So, um, so yeah, most people would think that with no sports going on, that there's like you know less news, less time. People maybe get some time off, but that's probably that's the opposite for you. Am Ve- I correct on that? Very opposite. Yes. Um, everybody, you know, my older brother's working from home. Uh, younger brother's internship got kind of canceled, I guess, just because of everything going on. A lot of my friends are staying home even until August. They just found out they're going to be staying home. Is that in Tibeterho area? That's in Indianapolis, oh, okay, but right, and that's right, more right, of a okay. hotspot with everything yeah, going on. Yeah, that's um, true. Vigo County, where Terre Haute is, it's also pretty bad. Not bad, but it's one. Of, it's a bigger city. It's yeah, it's roughly right. the, the exact size, or a little bigger than like Elkhart Goshen area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty. It's pretty big. And I mean, I've been working from home, but as far as news stations go, like we're definitely an essential business. Where yeah. um, I go in a couple times. I mean, we we've limited who comes in. We only have l- less than ten people are in the station yeah. every day. But I usually do my reports from home, pre-recorded. Um, have a camera at home. I do all FaceTime interviews. Um, but we were basically told, yeah, you know, vacation and days off is going to yeah. be pushed back a ways for sure. <laughs> so I have one question. Um, so, you know, when you're doing an interview or if you're on camera or whatever, you got, you're probably dressed up decently nice, I assume, right? Yeah. What do you have? What what part of the camera is showing, and do you have just like a pair of shorts on? Uh, full transparency, because that's what I <laughs> promised your people when I agreed to this podcast. Um, first of all, when usually, typically, get out coronavirus. When you're in the station, either in the studio or sometimes we do hits from the newsroom. Mm-hmm. You're in a suit, right? And you know tie and everything. Right. You look nice, right. but when you're out in the field, you just wear a polo or anything with Channel Ten right, logo. Right. 
So I typically, you know, uh, wake up, um, yeah, just kind of roll out of bed, <laughs> put a hat on, do our morning Zoom meeting. And when it's tough go time, you know, I'll shower, get the hair nice and good, make sure my beard's nice and trimmed, and p- throw a polo on. Um, what I'm wearing underneath is typically uh, underwear, uh, barefoot. Um, you know, uh, haven't worn pants in quite some time, yeah. if I'm being uh, frank with you. Yep. Um, but all that matters is, you know, right here, uh, right, torso right. torso up, as long as you're yeah. looking fresh from there. The viewers, you know, they'll, they'll stay behind you. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a big uh, – there was something – there was a guy giving a hit, you know, and he was, I think there's a picture of him and he had, you know, a pair of boxers on as he was in it. I think that's I'm, pretty common. I'm more of a briefs guy myself. <laughs> I am too. Um, I, I am too. I but think that, yeah. I think a lot of news yeah. people are in the same boat where yeah. I think a good point about all this is that not just in the news industry, but every industry, I think this is going to change the way oh, yeah, of for sure. work and efficiency moving yeah. forward. Because a lot of businesses where being in person matters, I think it outnumbers the people who actually are more efficient working from home is outnumbering. Oh, yeah. And I think a yeah. lot of businesses are finding that out, and I think it's going to change moving forward that people actually collaborate more than the oh, situation yeah. we're in. Yeah, I'd agree 100%. I think, um, and so, you know, companies are probably going to cut costs in, you know, their business, or their actual place of location if that makes sense where they they know they don't have to have this massive place of location where everybody has to come in per se you know they can have so many people work from home i think that helps out a lot of people where i think it opened up more avenues uh i think it'll help because it'll have more places where it's for example if someone's you know maybe a single mom um and they have to they have kids right well, they can work at home now in a certain type of job where they they can't, they couldn't at before. And honestly, it's less so, stressful too. Yeah. I think this is cutting down on like anxiety of like you said. Like yeah. I can roll out of bed, throw on a shirt and a hat, and I'm ready for the morning meeting. Yeah. I get a little more sleep. I'm a yeah. little more ready. I get my cup of coffee. I don't yeah. feel as much. Not that there's pressure when you go in, but it's almost like you have to be on. And I think yeah. a lot of people are a little more relaxed at home, yeah. and they can just do better at their job. And I think it, again, it's it's job to job, occupation yeah. to occupation how that goes but at least for me i figured out that i'm a lot more efficient and get things done quicker and i think it's just as good if not better quality than it was before yeah i think that's i think there's still of course going to be things that are faced like well maybe not face to face maybe six feet apart now (laughs) but um you know where you have to be you know with someone and there's certain things that are going to happen that way but even in sports like because you know i've heard a lot of people talk about like people who are high executives and coaches where they always got to go into the office, mm-hmm. right? Well, they can, they know now that they can do stuff at home. Um, and, and just I mean, as well. Too. Yeah. That's and I'd, thing. I'd say, you know, for someone like my dad who, you know, has his own office, he has to, there's certain things because of the, the job he has that, you know, he's a doctor. So he has to, uh, an, an optometrist. So he has to, um, see people face to face. That's of course different, but I think there's a lot of parts in his work that, he he. Sometimes he has days off, but he still goes into work. Right. I don't think he has to do that as much anymore. If that right. makes if with all this going on, right. it, it, he has the ability to do stuff at home and still talk with other people with Zoom and everything like that. So, I think that all um, is is a definitely a change that'll happen. So, you know, you um, are definitely a big Colts fan. I think you're Massive. you're you're also a Notre Dame Massive. and Cubs fan, but we're not gonna get into that because uh, you know what? That's I, I don't really care to get into that. If I'm being honest, okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, Come on. it's golden domers, baby, <laughs> national champs. Just I mean, book it's it. just it's 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 quite living. 
uh, up here in Northern Indiana, I've had to deal with Notre Dame fans all my life, oh, and poor prime you. suspect right here. It's just it's ridiculous. And then also with the, the, the Cubs fan, when you know the White Sox have truly been a better franchise. Oh so. my word! Well, we, we don't have to get into that. That you know, coronavirus. Hey, that was very, shout it from the rooftops. That was the most unneeded thing, and that right there is why that man will never be on this podcast. Number one, number one answer right that there. That is a disservice is to right your there. listeners to not I put just can't, I Mr. Can't Buckeye on there. Just okay, let's let's move on. So, <laughs> so uh, Dom, as as I said, big Colts fan in the NFL draft was a little over a week ago. So, outstanding what, draft. By yeah. The what, way. First, what were your thoughts about the Colts? Like overall, what's what's your overall draft grade that you want to give? It's it's very cliche, but what is it? What's your overall draft grade for the Colts? Honestly, I would give them an A minus, and I don't even think what's preventing me from giving them an A. Just you know, ideally, a lot of us wanted them to trade into the first round. Uh, Colts fans are uneasy about the quarterback situation. Not this year, because I think Philip Rivers, behind a much improved line, will have a more comparable year to 2018 rather than last year where he threw a ton of picks threw for a ton of yards but he just didn't have time back there he's getting older yes but he just knows how to win and all the Colts need is a leader back there who's been there before that's what Jacoby Brissett didn't have last year so I say all that because Colts fans were really hoping to trade into those late 20s to get Jordan Love Um, obviously the Packers kind of ran on that parade because there was a swift moment that I thought that he was going to drop into the second round. He'd be there at 34, the second pick of the second round. And I thought the Colts could just do that and get him. Um, But they didn't, and honestly, I was not very happy. I was pretty upset about it because they have no quarterback under contract past 2021. Um, Mm -hmm. And if I had to deal with another season of Jacoby Brissett under center, I mean, with Andrew Luck back there last year, they lose two games max. I'm just putting that on record. Um, but what happened was they got a – the wide receiver class was so deep, ended up getting Michael Pittman Jr., 6'4", 220, just go up and get it, 1,100 yards last year, I think 11 touchdowns in college on a pretty mediocre USC team also. Mm-hmm. I think they knocked it out of the park. Uh, they got him. They, they made a splash with Jonathan Taylor, which no one saw coming, arguably the best running back in the draft. He didn't go first running back off the board just because – that Clyde um, Edwards, Hilaire. Edwards Hilaire, yes, is just fits the Chiefs offense so that's, well. That's, and I said that I said <clears> that uh, on the the post uh, pod that we had on, from the the post uh, draft pod about. I said I thought they reached a little bit for him, but I think he fits them. Yeah. So for them, maybe it's not as much as a. reach. I don't think it's a reach. I just think like so, yeah. especially with their offense and like fantasy it, wise, yeah. like in the PPR league, that man is going to be Kamara like yeah. or like take it way back like a Sproles or something like he just is he fits them really well but anyway so they got Pittman and then they got Taylor they got Pinter I mean they they provided some depth in the offensive line um I think the steal of the draft other than Jonathan Taylor was um Julian Blackman from Utah safety he would have gone first round had he not torn his ACL um, later in the year I believe it was the Pac-12 championship that that happened um He's a stud. I mean, he is a stud. They need some depth at the secondary position. Honestly, that's the only reservation I have is I wish they would have gotten the first round. But if they would have done that, they probably wouldn't have gotten Pittman and Taylor. And I would take those two over Jordan Love anyway. And they they ended up getting Eason, too. And, you know, there's not much expectation there. He's a fourth-round quarterback. If he works out, he does. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But I think they're in win-now mode enough that the rookies they got, especially the top two, will contribute right away. I couldn't be happier with it. I was yeah. very pleased with Chris Ballard. Yeah. So uh, a couple things. First, 
we actually had talked about earlier with um, I had talked about with Marcus um, on the other podcast that because now when you draft Jacob Eason, technically that's three starting um, cor- two or I'm sorry three capable starting quarterbacks that you probably have in your roster if you count Eason as that Brissett, Philip Rivers, and Jacob Eason, right? So then Marcus was saying, well, what if you think um, you think the the Patriots try to get a little trade for Jacoby Brissett because he's already been in their system, try to get it back. And I said, I don't know, maybe, I, I don't know if he wants to be a third string or maybe not a third string, a backup. Eason would be working under. Um, and I said, that could easily, I think that could be a possibility, but the Patriots seem to be fixed on Jarrett Stidham, which I'm a little confused by. I, I would I be too because, listen, I think it's beneficial for both the Colts and Jacoby Brissett yeah. for them to part ways. If the yeah. Colts release or trade him, they save 5 to $7 million yeah. of cap room, right. which – they can get they need right um you know they're gonna have one of the top five cap rooms next year and just to add to that this year also like they have 24 right now and they could still sign like Jadavian Clowney if they mm-hmm. wanted to that's been a rumor flowing around but listen Jacoby Brissett thinks he's a starter you're right what happened last year is he didn't perform he I think pre- he, he also performed. played a couple games hurt and that the hurt. knee the knee uh, yeah. messed with his mojo because yeah. I mean we were five and two yeah and we were rolling um but towards the end of the season, he just, like, couldn't make throws past 10 yards. Like, it just wasn't happening. And I think what the Colts decided was they went out and got Phillip Rivers. And if I'm Jacoby Brissett, I'm like, okay, like, it's Phillip Rivers. But they also drafted a quarterback. Like, yeah. if I'm Jacoby Brissett, I'm like, listen, and once this whole Phillip Rivers thing irons out, do I think Jacoby starts the, that season, whether it be 2021, 2022, as the starter? Like, maybe. But two or three games in, like, he's going to have pressure out the wazoo like he already did this year, mm-hmm. this past season, to replace Andrew Luck. I just don't think he performs well under it. Like, he's a he's a really solid backup quarterback. I don't think there's a place that he could start and thrive unless it's New England. That's a really interesting thing. I haven't yeah. heard that. I think yeah. that could work maybe mm-hmm. if they work out a trade. But you gotta you got to think, Cam Newton's still out there. And, you know, yeah. the Patriots could go a lot of different ways. I think they have a yeah. little more of a draw than yeah. – than other teams as far as Cam Newton goes. But, listen, Colts, all I'm saying is this year I'd be shocked if they didn't win 11 or 12 games. Yeah. The other thing is, so it's definitely, uh, I think, an offensive-centric heavy draft for the Colts. I think they had they had the um, the one, like you said, the safety from Utah. But other than that, it was a lot of, you know, uh, linemen, offensive linemen, and then skill guys, right? So yeah. it was mainly offensive. And you had mentioned Jonathan Taylor. Um which I think is a solid pick. However, I do not believe that he is going to have – this is my bias definitely coming out, but he's. I don't believe he's going to have a better career than J.K. Dobbins. Um, In the long he, run? Yes. I think that's interesting because – I think that's interesting because J.K. Dobbins reminds me a ton of Ezekiel Elliott. Like, I think they're very similar players. Maybe J.K. maybe a little better out of the backfield catching balls. But that's interesting you say that. I just think – with Jonathan Taylor in college, every single team knew what the Wisconsin Badgers were going to do, and he still ran over everybody. Yeah. However, I don't know if college and NFL, it's a big jump for sure, but the Colts have one of the best lines in the NFL, no question. Marlon Mack was a 1,000-yard rusher, yeah. and he was a fourth-round draft pick. I don't know. I just think, I when, think when you compare the two, J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor, I think they're going to have very similar careers. I think they're both studs. I think they're both going to be really good. The Ravens are one of the best teams in yeah. the NFL, so... He's set up for success as well. So I don't know if I could say right now who could be better, but why do you think that? The reason is because um, I think 
the you, you when you say like oh teams knew exactly what was coming with um you know with Wisconsin right when Jonathan was there I think that's very true but I also think the offense was centered around him mm. right so I think he had so, some people can take it the other way as in well then yeah everyone is trying to is focusing on him right but I think that the game and I'll point this one out because Ohio State played Wisconsin two times last year right mm-hmm. the first time it was a wet rainy game right I remember that yeah and they Ohio he State did pulled nothing. away at the end the well the actually the the championship game Wisconsin was ahead right a lot in yeah. the first half yeah the first game Ohio State, it was a close game it was a battle game no one was really doing anything right both offenses weren't doing anything you know Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins both weren't doing much um, but I think I, I, I'm fairly certain that he was held to under 100 yards, um, and it wasn't really a great game. And well, on the flip side, the second game he had I think 150 yards rushing and a touchdown, so he had much better game. It was a solid game by him. I remember that, and I was getting very, very mad with the, with the a lot of expletives from yeah. Drew. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, but it's because I think um, the. The quarterback had like the game of his life that day, and it just opened up everything for Jonathan Taylor. So, I think, I think the, the when the offense is centered around him, and Ohio State knew the offense is going to be centered around him, there wasn't much that was happening. But when the when the uh, quarterback started making these throws, and he was he was like juking people, what he was it was ridiculous. I don't know how. Then that opened up everything else for Jonathan Taylor, yeah. right? And and he doesn't need much anyway. Like he. Games where, like I said, they knew what was coming. He rushed 25, 30 times and run all over people. All he needs is a little breathing room given to him by a capable quarterback, and then I think his game has opened up even more. But as far as the Colts are concerned, I think they thought, we need to, let's make a splash. And he was the best running back available on the board. He ran for 2,000 yards back-to-back seasons at Wisconsin, and they thought, hey, like, there's no reason to pay a running back in this league anymore. Marlon Mack is going into a contract year. They thought, let's get two running backs that could very easily run for 800 to 1,000 yards apiece. Yeah, I just – it's the the not – he was not going to be – you just know he's not going to be a central point in offense. No. And I think that's that's the one thing is he has been the past three years. And the other thing is he has, he has gotten so many carries. I'm, I, I don't think he's had very – like any type of injury concern. But in the NFL – I just don't know how long he'll last, and that's the main thing that I'm comparing with J.K. Dobbins to um, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor got so much, so many more carries, mm. right? And he, he, I think he was been worked a lot in college, and so I just don't see. I think his first two, three years are going to be solid, but after that, and, I have no idea what. And, and you know what? That's okay with me because running back shelf, running, running back that's shelf true. life in this league. I mean, paying a running back big money just it, it doesn't make sense to me. Unless no. you like Ezekiel Elliott, okay, Leonard Fournette, maybe not. He's on, on the downswing, personally, in my well, opinion. They, the they Jags took, are trying to shop him, yeah, and they didn't yeah. pick up his option. Yeah. So Marlon Mack has done fairly well, and he was a third or fourth round draft pick, and he has one of the best lines in the league, and he had an outstanding year last year, and he was riddled with injuries too. Yeah. Every good football team has a one-two punch at running back, and – that's what Jonathan Taylor will provide at least for the couple of years. And say they don't sign Mack and he has a couple of years to himself, I think he's going to be a stud. Do I think that maybe there's some longevity issues there just because he got beat up so much and was worked so hard at Wisconsin? Yeah, maybe. But if we can squeeze four to five years out of him and have success those years, I mean, the man 
ran a four three nine, and he's a yeah, monster. He's, like yes, he, is. he is. There's no question he's good. Um, I think your concerns are valid, but I think the Colts. What do you have to lose, really? Yeah, I, I I didn't like hate the pick or anything. I was just saying, I was like, I think I just think in the long run, John, uh, J.K. Dobbins is gonna no Ohio you know State I mean? bias here. No, 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 no. But yeah, I mean the other the one that made me mad is there was a running back I think that went two or three picks ahead of him or one or two picks up ahead Swift? of J.K. No, not Swift. Swift Swift is a solid back, mm-hmm. and I think that and because I think he's a, he's a better. Uh, Pass catcher, pass catcher than J.K. He's he's um, he's pretty mobile. I mean, yes. he's pretty pretty shifty. He's he's a small. He's like five. I think he's even shorter than J.K. Mm-hmm. J.K. is like five nine and a half, something like that. Yeah, Swift is like five eight something. Like I that. will say this to your first point about the Colts going a lot of skill positions. It's because they signed a ton of one year deals on defense. They got Buckner locked up. That was a huge trade because when you think about it, the Colts had a thirteenth pick and they essentially traded that for DeForest Buckner. Oh, so right, right, right. I mean, the, you draft. Yes, you, that's basically yeah. saying you draft. DeForest Buckner, a Pro Bowler, right, proven defensive that. player. They signed, you know, uh, Sheldon yeah. Sheldon Day to a one year. They signed Xavier Rhodes to a one year. I mean, they're just bolstering that defense pretty well, and yeah. I think that's why they wanted youth at the offensive end. They got one of the best defenses in the league, and I think they're going to be solid. Yeah. Um, so the other the other thing I want to talk about with the Colts draft was the the Jacob Beeson pick. So um, personally, I I don't. It's hard to de- it's hard to decipher and figure out if I would want to go with Jake Fromm or Jacob Eason because they were both at the same play, both at uh, Georgia. Jake Fromm won the job, right? Jacob Eason, I think, has a little bit higher upside, if I'm being honest. I would definitely agree. But I don't know. I just, I think if you draft Jake Fromm and he fell, I think he was. I think he was. He was my guy who fell in the draft, Jake Fromm. Yeah, I mean, he, he was the. I don't know, like. I think he was the last quarterback picked in the draft. And he was by the Bills, I and believe. The, yeah, and so I just – it was weird to me that he slid that far and because I think he is the – he can start, I think, second half of the year for a team and be solid. Now, I don't know if he's going to be – you know, he's going to be a guy that's definitely going to check down. You know, he's not going to be throwing it, you know, you know, 50-yard passes. I think um, from what Fromm has so, – Fromm made – Justin Fields and Jacob Eason transfer. Exactly. Let's let's That's not forget about saying. that. Those are two outstanding quarterbacks, <laughs> especially Justin Fields. I mean, that yeah. man is a dude. Yeah. And a lot of people disagree with that because I think Jake Fromm reached his ceiling really early at Georgia. Yeah. And I think that's what you're kind of pointing out is that yes. I think teams see that. I think there's not a lot of room to mold. They like he they know what he is. He's a leader. He like fits the mold at quarterback. Like he get it. Um, with Jacob Eason, like that dude is ready to be molded into something. Yeah. I mean, the, he has a cannon, cannon of an arm. He makes some poor decisions. There's no question. And there's been some concerns. I know Chris Mortensen of ESPN said, you know, he didn't have a good work ethic and he had a bad attitude and all this. He's six mm-hmm. six. He has a cannon and he's raw as can be. He mm-hmm. can sit one, maybe two years behind a Hall of Fame quarterback in Philip Rivers. I'm not saying he's the best teacher, but he's going to teach you how to be a good leader. He's going to teach you a good work ethic. He's going to teach you how to lead a team at the quarterback position. And he, that's a guy who's thrown from a ton of yards. And Philip Rivers has a wonky throwing motion. First of all, like he has, he doesn't like have all the the in, like skills and like the. He's, he's very unconventional gunslinger. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, he's a gunslinger. gunslinger. And that's exactly what Jacob Eason is. And, like, yeah. he couldn't have gone into a better situation. That's why I wanted Jordan Love, too, is because Jordan Love is so talented and he's a little I've farther along. I've never seen along. him play, so I have no idea. I've just watched tape on okay. Jordan Love, and, like, he's just – he's a guy who can be molded, too. And 
that's what the Colts wanted is a guy who isn't ready to start right away. He doesn't have the pressure of starting right away, and he can just sit, be in a quarterback room, be under Frank Reich and Nick Serini. Like, they are great offensive minds, great teachers, great, like, leaders of men. Jacob Eason, it's a, it's a project, and, like, it's really low-risk, high-reward for the Colts getting him in the fourth round yeah. and saying, hey, listen, two, even maybe three years, and maybe you'll be ready, but you're going to learn and get better, and we're just going to mold you. I have no problem with it. I think Chris Ballard just – he's so calculated and methodical with the way he drafts and trades, and he ended up getting three straight picks in the thir- sixth round, I mean, and I just I just love it. I'll give him an A- minus and on the cusp of an A. It's 92. <laughs> 92 maybe, maybe with the curve the maybe, professor yeah yeah um if it was an ohio state professor you know because <laughs> the, the uh, i don't know all right professors let's let's paying their ass <laughs> notre dame just an outstanding institution <laughs> very high class golden all domers right, baby and this is this is the type of blasting i gotta deal with on a daily basis that's what i'm talking about so hey, anyway let's you um, knew what you were getting when you invited me on <laughs> Uh, so let's switch it up a little bit. Uh, we can stay with some sports, but um, really the only other sports thing that's going on is the Michael Jordan documentary, oh, Last Dance, right? Unbelievable. So you're, would you, how would you classify your fandom as a Bulls fan? Would you say you are a Bulls fan? Would you say you just watch, like, how would you classify So it, I, I will say the NBA is the professional sports league that I I don't know, least enjoy watching. I'm still a very avid basketball fan, uh, and my fandom absolutely lies with the Bulls. Um, I will say the last few years, I don't think they deserve my fandom because (laughs) their front office has run a top four market in the NBA into the ground and made it a non-desirable location. And you are in Chicago. I don't understand how that happens. Just with complete, inept, unjust, I don't even know the word. Just so unreliable and blasphemous and just ridiculous running of an organization. And finally, they made a change of their executive vice president and yeah. GM. Done a total makeover of the front office. I think there's a lot of pieces there to be had. I will say, I became a Bulls fan, um, my dad and I, 2011, when the Bulls won 60 games with Derrick Rose, MVP year. Mm-hmm. And they had the bench mob, Kyle Korver, easily the best player in the NBA, um, best shooter of all time, just easily one of the greats. Should be on the Mount Rushmore basketball, Kyle Korver, no question. Um, but seriously, they they, they had uh, Derrick Rose and like Keith Bogans was starting, Luol Deng, Carlos Boozer, Jakeem Noah, Ronnie Brewer off the bench, Kyle Korver off the bench, Todd Gibson, like list just goes on. I, I loved that team. They won 60 games. It was Tom Thibodeau's first year. So that's where my fandom really like kicked in. Like I loved the Bulls. My dad was a huge Bulls fan, Michael Jordan, and I will transition to that. My dad freaking loved Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. My younger brother's middle name is we Michael about it. because about he was born yep. on the day Michael Jordan won his sixth championship yep. and the doctor actually hurried my mom along because he's like, listen, I got to see this game. All right, <laughs> Ma- Michael Jordan's on, so like, let's get yep. this going. Yep. Um, the Bulls are a historic franchise, and what's bothered me so much the last few years and why I've not paid as much attention is because they don't act like it. And when a top-four market like Chicago is treated as not such – and free agents literally don't want to come there because it's almost as poorly run as the New York Knicks. Like, it's extremely frustrating. And their attendance showed that this year. Like, no one came to the games. And finally, finally a change was made. But I think the problem really rests in um, a certain owner of the White Sox and the Bulls, Jerry Reinsdorf, just complete, complete idiot. I'm just going to come out and say it. I mean, my man needs some... 
help. But anyway, well, that's well, that's where well, my Bulls fandom comes from. I am a Avis Bulls fan, yeah. but I just I like football and baseball yeah, much I'd much say, better. I'd say his past two, three, four years would have been devoted to the White Sox because the White Sox have had their farm system is getting really there. White Sox rebuild is very impressive. Yes. There's no so, question. Um, and yeah, the Bulls. If I'm being honest, though the their picks, their draft picks, have been solid. I think the draft picks have been solid the past. I wasn't a huge fan of the Wendell Carter Jr. pick. Oh yeah, that's true. That was um, one. That was I, one. That made me that pretty was, upset. That, that was to be one. to be fair. That draft was a little. Uh, I didn't. I didn't necessarily. I mean, the di- that di- different many, options many they could have gotten, like Kevin Knox or like. Well, how many? How I, many? Was that two or three? Three. I want to okay. say three years ago. Yeah. Um, then they got Lori Marketing as part of the Jimmy Butler trade, and yeah. I actually thought they won that trade because that's what brought Zach Levine to town as yeah. well. Um, it ended up being Zach Levine and Lori with the pick, and I believe um, Chris Dunn as well. He's kind of petered out. I thought he was going to be a stud out of college, but he's kind of proving me wrong. Anyway, I think they got a maximum return on Jimmy Butler without all the problems that he now is causing with his just ridiculous attitude. But I don't know. You're Like you said, the draft picks haven't been terrible. I think Kobe White was a big hit. I think Kobe White was a really nice draft pick. That dude can shoot. He's got a nice motor. He should be starting, he's honestly. Got nice hair. He's got great hair. Um, just flops. Just flops around <laughs> as he's running around. North Carolina guy. Um, they have pieces, but they need that. That's what I, that's what I always come back to. They have young pieces. They need a big free agent signing star to come in and bring it all together. Which hasn't happened. And it just hasn't happened, and I don't see it happening until they prove that there's some upside and some growth here. And I don't know. The head coaches have been absolutely miserable since Tom. Tom Thibodeau never had a losing record. I don't believe so. Maybe in the last few seasons he was 40 and, like, 42 or something. Not, not crazy bad records. Um but, you know, he won Coach of the Year his first year, just an awesome coach. They responded to him, and they just fired him to go a different direction. It was almost Jerry Krause-esque of just, oh, we're just going to start over. It's just like, that's not how it happens. Like, until he proves he's not a good fit for your team, but, like, you don't just predetermine when yeah. you're going to rebuild or when you're going to fire a coach. Like, you got to let those things happen gradually. And, you know, they didn't hit the success they wanted to in the Derrick Rose era, and that was a lot because of injuries, but... It wasn't Tom Thibodeau's fault, I'll tell you that right now. So I just think then there was Hoiberg and now Jim Boylan, who, gosh, he couldn't coach a freaking middle school team. <laughs> My man is so inept. He's, he just has to run suicides of practice is what I see. Military sergeant over there. Drop down, give me 10. Ridiculous. He's got he's to gotta go. Um, yeah, I'd say I, I don't know the exact timeline, but – so this kind of goes with the last dance, but did it go from like the Jerry Krause type of executives in the Bulls to then the ones that just got fired recently? Did it go from that transition? I don't know if there, it was that quick. Was there? A, um, uh, you know what? It might have been. Yeah. But I, I gotta tell you, John Paxson and Gar Foreman were there forever. Yeah. It was a long um, time. It was almost. It wouldn't years. shock me. Because so I, I, I think Jerry Krause was done in 03. I think it was 17 years. That's what I'm saying. So I think it was. It, went from it that to wouldn't that. surprise me if it just went to John. Because John Paxson was on those great Bulls teams right. as, a, as a point guard. And, right. you know, I didn't really have a problem with him. It was more Gar Foreman for me. But the, decision, Gar, the decisions Gar. they made. And did you see his face? I mean, that schnauzer. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Gosh, he turns, the, he turns too quick. He's going to knock someone over. But yeah, the, uh, there there was fire gar packs billboards yeah. put up around Chicago, and it wouldn't surprise me if that's if it went straight to that. But you know they had some good seasons, but it's like 
you got to understand shelf life. Like, when it starts to go downhill, and, I mean, they were just a treadmill team for too long, yeah. just, like, always getting mediocre draft picks, mediocre records, and they just couldn't get over the hump. If you're going to rebuild, buy in. Like, the Sixers, at least they won, like, 10 games and, like, got really high draft picks. Like, the Bulls were always around, like, 7 to 13. It's like, you're not going to get a franchise player there. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're just not. Um, so, going into the last dance, so you have, I assume you've watched all the way through. Absolutely. This is, as we're recording, um, we probably won't put this one out right away, this pod, um, but as we're recording, it's, uh, it's Sunday, so episodes five and six yes. are coming tonight, tonight. right? And so, a and we're, pre- get, we're getting into the meat of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm a preview, excited. A preview of it wouldn't make sense because we're already... You'll have already watched it by the time this pod comes out. But I've heard we can still discuss kind of I think what's going to um, occur in it because I think it's going to go into uh, Michael's t- gambling is one of the episodes, okay. I think. Um, and so I'm interested. I don't really have any, like, you know, background information on that really. I mean, I know there was some stuff with it, but that's, like, all I know, you know. It's right. Like, I know there's – That's the thing. Like, I, think so it's, I have no idea. I think this – uh, documentary is so great for our generation because we were all born from 96 to 99 basically yeah. and like we were not around for his <laughs> unbelievable run right and i think it's given us such great perspective on how dominant he was and just how good that team was and how it was musty tv like it was the warriors before the warriors and they stayed together way longer than the Warriors of present day did. Like, the oh, yeah. Warriors are already blown up. And, you know, I think that's what we should appreciate more is that, seriously, if he hadn't retired the first time for baseball and second time being forced out, you could make the argument they could have won eight to ten championships just because they were forced to break up and he went a little weird with the baseball thing as well. But <laughs> to answer your question, I think that, this is an unbelievable documentary. It showcases everything we kind of don't have the background info about, like you just said, like we just weren't around. And it gives us all that comparison of, it gives us a way better sense to compare that back then to nowadays. Because when you think about it, it wasn't all that different when it comes down to it. Like training, physicality, just complete athleticism sure it's improved over the years and coaching and everything else and that's how it goes time things get better things improve but i think it gives us a better sense of just how michael jordan if he played in today's nba he could adapt and i think he'd be just as good yeah i think that's you know a valid point we got into the a little bit on the first pod because at that point i think um on episode one, the first two episodes had came out at that point, mm-hmm. if I can remember correctly. So, you know, me, Vincent, and Luke, I talked about that a little bit, um, the whole, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron debate. I think it's so over, like, so overblown. It's so, I think it's talking about a ton. I mean, it's always a good conversation point. LeBron, but, LeBron's a specimen. I mean, there's yeah, no question. I, the dude can do whatever he wants. Yeah. But I think... Um, Michael Jordan and Kobe are a much better comparison because they just yes, had the same they had the same agree. instinct. Yes. They had the same will to win and it's not that LeBron doesn't. I think LeBron is Ma- Magic Johnson. I think LeBron and Magic and Larry yeah. could be better compared. I yeah. mean they all, you know, Larry won 3, LeBron LeBron is still great. It's like people when they say oh, Michael Jordan's better, it's like okay, LeBron is still a top five player of all time. Yeah. We're not discounting the dude. He's yeah. a stud. He's going to probably break the scoring record. He's going to hold all the records. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think it's like it's a it's a cool debate of, like, 
LeBron is comparable to like Peyton Manning to me, and Michael Jordan is like Tom Brady, where it's yeah. like they just knew how to win, and they were in good on good teams, and they just knew how to get it done. And like at the end of the day, you can't argue with six championships. And my man Michael averaged thirty points throughout a career, and he yeah. could have he retired too early. He could have like put three or four, four three or four more seasons on his resume, and man, yeah, I think the. And he even talked about it in I think episode four, maybe even three, um, that he was he was angry and and he'd be he'd get mad when the comparisons before he won his first championship, like oh yeah he's gonna give you thirty and I you can't win with him yeah. you can't win with Michael right. and so it's like and I think there's a difference because um, how how they make I guess their teammates better is in different ways yes. Yes. And I think that compares that uh, LeBron is more comparative to uh, Magic, and I think Bird to an extent. Mm-hmm. And whereas Magic's better for sure. Yeah. That comparison. Yeah. I mean. And then um, Michael compared to Kobe, I think it's it's like it's very because they they motivated teammates with just like leadership qualities yeah. and we will we refuse to lose and we're gonna show it with our play mm-hmm. and by an extent that's going to make our teammates better. Whereas LeBron and Magic actually, by their play, like, I'm going to get you involved. And that's how I make you better. But uh, Kobe and Michael were behind closed doors of how to make a team, more of a team. And people just, like, respected them. Like, they weren't going to cross them. And, like, LeBron's a little petty, and I think social media has played into things. And, like, that's what bothers me so much with LeBron. It's like, I respect the heck out of that dude. I mean, he is unbelievable to watch, and I think we should appreciate him. But he also just, like... Yeah. Kind of gets butthurt about things. Yeah. It's like, well, dude, the, you gotta chill. I think, I think, I kind of, you know, I used to be like very almost anti-LeBron when I was younger, and I talked about this on on the first pod as well. But and I was, and I think it's flipped for me, where it's kind of, I think Kevin Durant has has became that, and LeBron is becoming more almost likable. Like, he's he, like you know I mean? used like to hate <laughs> yeah, LeBron <I> <laughs> with a passion, and I don't even think there was a reason for it. Like, when he first went to the Heat, like, I just, yeah, it, was, it, yeah. it made my blood boil to see yeah. him win. Um, but no, I think you're right. I think yeah. he is becoming more likable. I don't even know what it is about him, but yeah. I think, like, Kevin Durant, if you just put aside all this stuff yeah. and just played, Kevin Durant is going to go down as one of the greatest ever. Yes. And, like, if he had Kobe's attitude, it would be unfair yeah. the things Kevin Durant could do that he could already do. Yeah. But I think he's just more of a – he turns it on when he wants to because he gets all butthurt. And then yeah. he just like – I don't know. I think he's a bad teammate too sometimes. But, you know, what what are you going to do? I, I just think that people – back to your point about, you know, uh, Michael didn't want to be compared. He almost took it as a slight to be compared to those guys because he hadn't earned it. Right. And it's like – People only understand Michael Jordan went through adversity too. He didn't make the playoffs yeah. for a while. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't advance far, and it's, mm-hmm. his you know, LeBron's careers aren't all that different. Yeah. The difference to me is LeBron had to leave, and like was yeah. Cleveland surrounding LeBron terrible? Like yeah, they were awful. Yeah. And LeBron is one of the best players ever because it's so funny. The two times he's left Cleveland, the very next seasons they had the number one pick. Yeah, like how like even without Michael, the Bulls made it to like the. Eastern Conference Finals in 94, 95, or whatever, the two seasons that, Mm -hmm. you know. But goodness gracious, I just think that they're so much more comparable. I think that's giving us a sense of, oh, maybe, like, it wasn't all that different because everyone's biggest thing when they compare LeBron and Michael, it's like, oh, well, Michael couldn't do in today's NBA. And I just don't don't think that's all that true. Yeah. 
like if LeBron was put back then, would he have averaged like sixty? Like honestly, probably. Yeah. But like, um, I don't there's, know. I think there's two things. There's one that people talk about is they say, oh, the the eighties and the nineties, LeBron can handle the physicality, and I'm like, um, what? He's six eight. He's a massive human. He's massive. He would he are, take the. The thing like is, that. people and, already hit LeBron like that, yeah. but he doesn't show up because he's so massive. <laughs> yeah. Like he should probably go to the line like thirty times yeah. a game. Yeah, and then the other thing with Michael playing in this game is his finishing is insane. Watching the Unbelievable. documentary, I'm like, his layup package is insane. That's a great point too. I'm like, it's like he's gonna finish against anybody. That's a great point. It's so like it I feel matter. like I've, I feel like I've seen Magic highlights. I feel like I've yeah. seen Larry Bird highlights, but I don't think I've ever seen to this extent. Just highlights of Michael Jordan. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever, like, seen this type of... Like, right. he was a level... He played, like, a player in today's NBA back then. Yeah. And I think, like, he is just finesse, and he was not missing mid-range shots. He would finish all the time at the basket. He would dunk over you. He would just yeah. go through you, dunk. And I think people forget his defensive ability, too. Yeah. Like, he didn't, he didn't take plays off. Like, some seasons, like, back-to-back seasons, he averaged, like, 37 and 35 points a game. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Like yeah, yeah, and I yeah the the because his mid range was always on and people would say well that that's like that's not as an efficient shot now but if you make it it's efficient <laughs> you make I always say this like I mean? people so, guard two spots in in, in basketball any level people guard two spots they guard the three point line and they guard the basket yeah, that like you cannot the basket let area. the basket area you can <laughs> you cannot let people score layups yeah. on you you drive and you get to the you know, elbows, free throw line, your guy is two steps. And if you pulled up there, you have six feet of space. I yeah. mean, you're socially distanced coronavirus. <laughs> you have s- space to make that shot. I think people underutilize it. You know who utilizes in today's NBA is Kawhi Leonard. He makes a freaking yes. living at the mid-range yes. jumper. And Clay Thompson, too, even when he's not shooting threes. Like, yeah. pe- people say it's dead. If you use it correctly, you can add 10 to 12 points to your points per game easily i tell vincent that all the time he doesn't he doesn't listen to me and that's why you know mangus is way better but that, oh, yeah we're just we're throwing out shots Jeez. but yeah okay um <laughs> so this is actually this was not a topic that i had presented to dom uh before coming on he he said you know because he said he saw something ask me um, anything i'm an open book yeah he, he saw something on twitter uh i think it was that what he said you know an article or something and it's uh and i actually look read it today was it the awful announcing it was, article? It wasn't awful announcing. It was the new. It was New York Post, right? Because oh, you had mentioned that adds even more. Yeah, you had you had that. mentioned because um, um, most of you know, maybe not all of them, but most of you know that I listen to podcasts regularly, and one of them, one is the show, the Dan Lombard show, is Two Gats, right? It's one of my favorite shows. I've been listening, you know, every day for probably four years. Pretty. That's a pretty long. Pretty time. extensive. They've, they've they their show has been around for. Like almost fifteen years. Is not, it still not, televised? Uh, now not because of the coronavirus. Got but it. yes, it's it's simulcast is what you call. It. So they have yes. Um, because I listen to it like almost every day too. Because yeah. when I'm driving, I drive a lot just getting back and forth and stories. And I usually I'm driving from ten a.m. to like one. So yeah. in Indy, they have a seven to ten a.m. show. Yep. And then it goes to ESPN with Dan Lebatar yep. for two because they 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 don't stop at noon. They go to one, they go to don't one. they? Yes. So um, yeah, they go from 10 to noon just in yeah. Indy. They do two hours, and then 12 to 3 is like Dan Dockage. So yeah. I usually listen to those two. Yeah. And honestly, like, at first I wasn't all about Dan Levitar, but, like, I look forward to listening to it. Yeah. I think it's I think it's great. Well, but anyway, so, yeah. so they're yeah. talking about 
Yeah, so this New York Post, right, this actually, they actually talked about it on the show. And so what Oh, happened, really? Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, I didn't know they, that. They, and I think it was Wednesday or Thursday they talked about it, right? And so what happened was, so this, there's a New York Post article, which is a very, pretty credible. You know, very credible, yeah, very I credible say, yeah. new, uh, you know, station. Um, and what happened was there was a, it said that Mike Greenberg was going to make, um, a change back to radio cause yes. he's, he's a, he's, he's television on, he's right on now, get up. right? Yeah. I, I think Mike Greenberg's great. Yeah. So he's way, just, so. he's just television right now. And there's, they were saying, oh, he's going to move to ESPN radio and the Dan Levitard show is going to be off ESPN, but they'll still have, you know, their, because they have a podcast network that they have, you know, like Mita Kimes, Marty Smith, those type also of things. Like Kimes. Yeah, also yeah. like Mita Kimes. Also like Marty Smith. Yes. Great, yeah. great lineup. So that they that they would do all that and they have their, you know, they'd still do their the show with his, the highly questionable show or whatever. So. <laughs> Which, highly questionable. Uh, it's highly questionable. Well, that's still on the air. <laughs> that's the point. Goodness gracious, no, that no, no, show. That, that, that's a, I don't, I don't watch it, but it is, I, I don't. It the, is. <laughs> It's got to be just sucking money away <laughs> from the network. I mean, that well, is the, the worst is, show the of is, all time. The thing is, it's only a half oh, hour. Oh, my word. It's, is Bilani Jones still on it, no, too? No, 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 no. It's, it's, I don't know. They've gone through a lot of stuff because it's, it's, yeah, I think the more they, it, that was more for his dad. And I don't think yeah. his, dad's, his dad's not working as much because he, he didn't I heard work that. I, yeah, I heard so that. So I don't know how long they'll be doing the show. So, But I just think, like. That's he why people. That's dad, why he runs. So. I know, but I think that's why he rubs <laughs> people some the people way. the wrong way. Oh, yeah. Like it's just not a good show. But if you listen to Dan Levitard, you, it, it's a very niche. Yeah. Like you either like it or you don't. Yeah. And like <laughs> at first, I was like, okay, this is dumb. But the more and more I listen, like it, it, it makes me laugh out yeah. loud. It really does. Yeah. So and, it, and that's actually, I think the longer you listen to it, the more you like. Yeah, it, I agree. But <laughs> so they're so they're talking and... about taking it away from ESPN yes. Radio. Yeah. So they're talking about changing that and so and actually <laughs> they and they do this they talk about on the show they they let you behind the curtains a little bit about their like pre their uh pre-show meetings and all this type of stuff you know um so yeah and, what was their reaction so yeah this, what this is what happened so <clears throat> mike ryan who's the executive producer mm-hmm. of the show i don't know if you know yeah yeah so he he's kind of the i guess corporate type of one he's not always he he just he's you know, fun guy, but he usually he, tries he, to uh, stay. He keeps him on the straight yes, and narrow. Yeah, yeah. So because they can get off very, yes. very easily. Uh, oh yes, and talk about stuff that they shouldn't be talking about, and so that's kind of what happened. Yeah, that's what rubs people the wrong way yes. too. He's very political. Yes. Band so is. he comes, he comes, and he's like, "I'm not." And there was an executive who told him, who told Mike, and then told uh, Dan that you can't talk about this. Do not talk about this on. But it. has he been informed before it got public? Oh Dan about that, it, that thing? maybe oh no no see yeah, that would so that would like, piss me and off and so he's like what do you mean I, I, you're not gonna tell me what not to talk about I'm gonna talk about what I want I'm literally have this uh you know this show this opportunity to talk about literally what I want to talk about why am I not gonna and so he he didn't like specifically talk about this 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 was in the article yeah. because he was he does this he he walks around the subject but still talks about it does that make sense so he was very and I you know I think he has a reason to be upset he was very upset. And he went, well, they've been around forever. Yeah, I mean so the radio show's good. Yeah, so I mean he, he went people on this, listen. Yeah, he went on this, you know, type of I guess diatribe. I don't know if that's the right word if I'm using that, but he went on this. Spiel and was you know pretty upset, and Stu was also there. You know, just saying, 
what's important on conversation. I'm glad we're having it, that type of thing, you know, doing his Stugatz St- thing. Stu just, <laughs> he doesn't want to ever talk about anything serious. No. Like, Stu, well, he, his, he's going to say, it's important on conversation. I'm glad we're having it. That's all he says. Yeah. You know, that's what he gives to the subject. So I love Stugatz. <laughs> I think he makes the show, personally. Like, that's Stugatz exactly is incredible. So, he's so freaking stupid. But so, he's hilarious yeah. also. So he gets in, and he at the end of that, they're, you know, they're just – um, he kind of gets done with it, and I actually read it. I read it today because I hadn't read it, the article, and it was, it, it it was like basically saying. And he even went. He Dan reached out to some people and was like, "Is this true?" And they're like, "No, this is not credible." So that really? made him. That made him even more angry. Like people are saying this because. Because of well, someone's because talking, of, then. exactly. Someone inside so, ESPN is talking. So he was, yes. Yeah, There's no so, question. So he was. So that would upset. make me, that'd make me upset. He was mad. He was upset. They talked. They was. But if it was for a Mike Greenberg led radio show, I can understand. Like Mike yeah. Greenberg is just. Yeah. He's but, more sports centric, and that's what bothers people too. Is yes, that Dan isn't always that in sports. The show. They put that. In, they put that in the article. In the they article. said. They said, you know that they really, they really like because uh, Jason Fitz is one to three, and they're thinking about mm. the the thing was. Uh, Greenberg would be a, like a one to three something, something to that effect, and so they like they liked Fitz and they would move Fitz somewhere else or something because he just he I don't know I guess fits them what they want like stick to sports. Well, see, yeah, thing, Sports right? Center, their executives are all like stick to sports yeah. all the time, and so, I get it. It's a it's ESPN. It is a, you don't want to get out of your, and that's yeah. why, yeah. unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, I'm just telling you like this is what happened. Like that's why Jamel Hill got ran out yeah. is because some people are bringing politics into the show and if i'm an executive i kind of understand because like people don't tune in for this they tune in to get an escape from all that and watch sports and sports only yeah but then also from the other side of the you know other on the other hand some of these hosts say well this is my platform and i'm going to use it but it's just you gotta find a happy medium i think i think i can't whether whatever side of the political line you lie on you can't put that much of an opinion about that i mean you're there to put your opinion out about sports show i'm not trying to say put a muzzle on these right, people right, right, right. but i think it's understandable why it rubs some executives the wrong way is that fair to say I mean, yeah and which why that's why i think it can work with the show because that's exactly why you got stu gots there stu gots <laughs> makes it like lighthearted almost yeah. if dan tries to get too serious yeah. about something stu gots swipes in and it's it's funny because there's a rejoin because they have rejoins in their show their live show and which is hilarious they actually make me laugh out loud yeah and the one you know there's one i don't know the exact wording but it's dancing he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna give you what i want to talk about you know you're you're here for the you're here for the fatty stuff you're here for stu gots but i'm gonna give you what i want to talk about and you're gonna listen to it every time (laughs) (laughs) you know something to that effect right like you know so uh, they're just so unique that I think yeah. you can't almost take them away because yeah. there's not a show really like it. Yeah, and that's it's the how reason, it's structured. I think it's very well done, and that's a reason why I started. I was I'm a big fan of Pardon My Take and why I like that show because I think they have they bring something they different. Sim- to they're the different. Table. Mm-hmm. They have different things, but I think they are similar in some respects. And they, it's funny because they even there's been a couple times where they've had. Um, like Stugatz has a pot, his own podcast and he's had PFT on, right? And they, they make a joke like, oh yeah, you got a big, big guy named Dan and a small guy who plays the, the Joker, you know, it's like, it's, it's the exact it's, same it's, thing. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of funny. Well, I, pe- I think people like it so. because it's not as structured either. What, yeah, the, exactly. what they're like, we're going to talk about this, this yeah. and this, and that's right. it. Like, it's just like guys talking. That's why yeah. people like part of my take so much. I yeah. think it's like, it's just dudes talking yeah. about it and like it, take it wherever it goes. Yeah. Kind of like we're doing right now. Drew. Exactly. We're just going with the flow. True. True. You know what? 
We're going to go with the flow. True. Right? Below so, average person, above average host. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if that's what I want to be known by. You know, it's actually... What's the yeah, motto of the, the show again? All talk, no substance. All talk, no substance. Yes. I think there's been a lot of substance today. I think there has been, but I'm just, you know... So we might not even air this. <laughs> this is... Yes, this it's is... Totally against the... <laughs> our core values here from the so, Drew Minnick Studios in Columbus, so, Ohio. Um, to finish up... Uh, I just want oh, to talk to. It's gone so well. It has. We're, we're nearing wanna, the end. I, I could stay here all day. Uh, talk to Dom about you know kind of what his like future plans were. I guess because you know he, Terre, uh he likes coming home. He said that you know. Very much. But Terre Haute, it's a pretty long drive, right? Very about three fifteen, three yeah, hours so fifteen it's, minutes. It's uh, sets, uh, southwestern, south central, yeah. Indiana. It's about ten fifteen minutes from the Illinois border. It's about hour from indy yeah you know so it's out in the middle of it's it's rural indiana there's yeah. no question <laughs> no question um so you know i'm just wondering you know what i guess what type you, and you may not exactly know that's you know the point of the future you know you don't know so yeah what, what do you i guess maybe this next year or two after this whole thing this whole corona <clears throat> hopefully kind of blows over and changes the the uh the climate a little bit but um you know what do you what are your plans so yeah no that's a a very good question and as i've done throughout this entire podcast i talk long so just gear up (laughs) professional talker this he is is a professional talker vincent always tells me i like to hear myself talk so (laughs) you know vincent's always right so must must have something to it but uh so you know what i loved about my journey in college is i did a lot of different things um one summer i was an intern for ESPN Radio in Indianapolis at, at in, in the circle there. I interned for Dan Dockich, and that's what got my love of this talking about sports, and I loved it. Um, and then the very next summer, I had a, my own podcast and was able to do everything involved with a podcast, and so I thought that was really cool. And then the next summer, I did, or the next spring, um, I was a you know TV-sided anchor with mm-hmm. CNN Sports in Atlanta, which was a really cool experience as well. So I feel like I got a lot of different angles, and then through all throughout, I did play-by-play broadcasting too. So I always tell people, and it, it, sometimes it doesn't answer their question, but I want to be able to do multiple things. Mm-hmm. Like right now, um, I'm a news slash sports reporter, like Drew said, uh, at WTHI in Terre Haute, and it's really cool because about during the fall and winter, during football and basketball, I get to do sports mm-hmm. uh, a decent amount, one to two days a week, where I even am on TV, you know, four to five minutes with it. And it's like super cool. It's making me build a reel. And that's the biggest thing. Like a lot of jobs, you put your resume out, you put your cover letter out, and you interview, whatever. It's the same for my industry, but you also need a demo reel of everything you've done. And so I, I'm really happy I'm with this. I'm a member of this Sportscasters Talent Agency of America. It's a really, it's a really cool thing where you can put everything in one place. So mm-hmm. you look, go to my profile. It has my resume and it has clips of, you know, football play-by-play, basketball play-by-play, sports anchor, like uh, sports voiceover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a couple there in Atlanta, and that was super cool. Um, it, all radio stuff, uh, demo reel, and like I got to update it now with some of my WTHI stuff. It's mm-hmm. kind of outdated, but. Um, that's what I'm excited about. What I'm doing. Like, this is a this is a starter job for me. There's no question. Um, I was I put at a bit of a disadvantage, not going to a Ball State or one of those schools with a really good telecommunications program where you already know everything mm-hmm. and you can start at a higher market than a Terre Haute. With mm-hmm. DePaul, I had opportunities to get involved right away, and that's what 
really helped me out with internships, but I didn't really have the reel mm -hmm. to go into a little bigger market. And that's what Terre Haute has allowed me to do. So I'm really excited about putting that together. I'm almost a year in now. Of, I have a two-year contract. So I would say a little less than a year from now, I'm going to start looking. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to be a full-time exclusive sports because right now I do about four days of news, one mm -hmm. day of sports, and now five days of news, which... <laughs> Let's just say it's a bit of a drag right now. I'm having struggles with uh, yeah. motivation just because news isn't my thing. Like yeah. news is depressing. News is <laughs> facts. And like I just – I come out of my shell and I'm much more skilled when it comes to sports. And I've always wanted to do it. Um, money is not a thing. I just – I want to be happy. I want to do sports. I want to do it exclusively. So I think that next step is going to be a weekend – um, sports anchor mm -hmm. where you get Saturday and Sunday to yourself and then three days of the week you're a sports reporter and you actually do all sports and mm -hmm. they sports departments grow the bigger markets you get so markets that I'm kind of targeting are like Columbus Dayton Indy would be huge South Bend a little smaller but still a step up mm -hmm. if I got the right channel like the NBC's and Notre Dame previews and stuff like that I think mm -hmm. that would be cool like a Louisville Champaign, Illinois. Also, I want to be in a college town because I think that's the coolest thing of all mm -hmm. time. Like being able to like go to Indiana State football and basketball games and be courtside, fieldside, and like makes me feel a little more important because it's mm -hmm. it's like Division One and it's really good experience for me in post game interviews and stuff. And I've gotten great experience. So I say all that because I think the next step is doing what I'm doing at a bigger station. But Drew, if I asked you right now, do you watch WNDU or WSBT? I mean, you don't, Not right? Really, People no. don't watch <laughs> local news, and that's no, unfortunate. But, yeah. and that's the way, and I totally understand that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is if I can get to a bigger market, report on bigger teams, I've seen people do this in Indy. They're at a station for, you know, four years as a sports anchor, but then they go and they're a sideline reporter yeah. for a professional team. Now, that's a big jump, and that's yeah. something that I would love to do. And they, you know, get invited onto radio shows. They host podcasts. They do all these different things. But you have to earn it, and you have to, like, start low, do one thing, get good at it, and then prove you can do all these yeah. other things. And that's what I want to do. I just want to do it in a college town, a bigger market. And so I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. that's that's kind of the path I'm looking is to get that exclusive sports for two more years, and then I think it's going to open a lot more yeah. doors for me. Um, I think, like, for example, like, you know, as I've said, I'm a huge Ohio State fan. There's, you know, like you said, you know, Columbus is a, a big – That's a market I'm really seriously and looking at. Uh, I think it would be awesome. So, yeah, like, actually a podcast I listen to, and it, they get quite a few lures of, uh, listeners, I mean, and they are – they work at Cleveland.com, but their main – focus i mean i think they do one art one you know they're they're i think journalists but they do one article a week but then they their podcast is once or twice a week that's kind of what they do a lot right so and i just want, i just want my hand in different things i'm yeah. a guy who likes to go i like a routine because yeah. i go to work every day i know what i'm doing and yeah. it's great and i know how to do it i like that comfortability but i would be lying i miss doing play-by-play -play broadcasting and i miss doing podcasts like this in fact mm -hmm. you might have inspired me to start one <laughs> i'm gonna have to look at my contract because they're uh, pretty stingy oh but like also um, this past football season, I was the IU football MC mm -hmm. for like during timeouts and stuff. Like we'd go and do like promotional yep, stuff, yep, and yep. it wasn't really about sports, but like it got me comfortable in front. Of, like I'm not gonna lie, that the Ohio State game at home, I was <laughs> pooping my pants. <laughs> like the first time I went out there, I look up and like the stadium was packed. <laughs> like, but luckily, my professionalism took over and <laughs> okay. executed without a flaw. But. That's something, you know, that's, these are the experiences that I'm happy I'm having because I want to make it in sports, and I think this is a – it's a good start. So 
Yeah. Um, I mean, also, I don't want to discount, you know, you have a, you've had a long time girlfriend, right? Yeah. So, okay. What do you, I don't, I mean, I don't, we don't need to get, let's, let's get personal, personal, but let's I'm do just it. wondering, you know, we've, we've talked about, we just talked about kind of my personal background, what, how, what we're kind of planning in the future with my fiance, you know, your brother, uh, you know, one of my best friends got engaged. And so I'm yes, just, did. I'm just wondering, you know, what's, is she going to go with you? Like what's, what's the kind of, what's the, that's a great question. Know, so Abby, her name's Abby. She is uh, currently finishing up her senior year at DePaul. We met at DePaul. Um, we've been dating whew, a little over a year and a half now. I want to say 19 months going on 20. So, yeah, uh, she's awesome. She's intelligent as heck. She's the best. Um, definitely makes me a better person, and that needs to be done, as <laughs> Drew Drew knows. Um, we've, we have talked about it. She's from Chicago, okay, mm-hmm. about 25 minutes west of Chicago. She grew up in a suburb. Uh, she loves Chicago. Mm-hmm. She wants to stay in Chicago. We've, we've definitely had a lot of talks about it. Um, unfortunately, Chicago is a top four market in the in the broadcasting mm-hmm. world, and that's a bit of a tough jump for a uh, you know twenty three year old to make because you know th- that's where the top dogs are. There's no question. That's a goal for me. I love Chicago sports. Mm-hmm. Like I would be in heaven talking about Chicago sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but realistically, um, I would be very very lucky to get there before I'm thirty. Right, so right, we've right. talked about it. She's in um, consulting um, with. She's going to work for West Monroe in uh chicago and i don't know all the ins and outs she's told me a million times but it's over my head i mean she's gonna get like magna cum laude or whatever like i i, I pass with like a 3 okay like holy cow like i'm just talking i tried to talk my way out of everything with my professors and they saw right through me so anyway um she's a smart cookie and she's gonna do that in chicago to start and we've talked about it like that's why columbus is a really attractive market to us because she said okay well if there's something Hopefully in a few years we can meet in the middle and then we could really start our life together because um, unfortunately about 75% of the over year and a half that Abby and I have been together um, has been long distance because we were on campus my senior year fall and then she had an internship her junior spring that spring in Kansas City. So we were apart then and then I graduated and during the summer she was in Chicago and I was you know, home. Uh, then I went to Terre Haute, and luckily, Terre Haute and Greencastle, where DePaul is, is only 40 minutes away, a little less. So mm-hmm. we saw each other a good amount then, which was nice. A good transition for me starting my job and everything. But after this coronavirus thing, um, you know, we haven't seen each other for like seven weeks. Yeah. So it's been it's been tough, um, and there's reasons for that too um, um, that I won't get into. But totally uh, justifiable and so it's tough because we really care about each other obviously and Mm -hmm. i mean love her to death um but it's just been tough to tough to have those conversations because there's so much unknown in my industry too Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna go where the opportunity takes me so it's just a lot of give and take and that's that's why she's the best because we have those conversations and you know we'll make it work but hopefully not too personal there but i just wanted to answer your question yeah for sure um you know, I, I appreciate uh, you coming on. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope I you had, a, had a blast. I'd do it any, <laughs> again anytime. Have to up the pay, though. <laughs> of course. All right. Well, um, I appreciate you all listening uh, to episode four of the mini pod.